This is Robert Marglacci, the Mindshare Learning Report. Welcome to this special Mindshare TV Innovators podcast series, episode number five, featuring co-author Kathy Hurley with guests Laura Smillian and Margaret Huber. Uh, discover why purpose-driven entrepreneurial women rise to the top is the theme of the book. And I have the book here. Uh, honored to connect with Kathy Hurley and her co-author, Bobby Kershan, recently in Montreal at our Canadian EdTech Leadership Summit. Thank you for joining me this uh, afternoon, ladies. And I'm happy to be here. I'm sure we're all happy to be here. And Kathy Hurley, for those of you who don't know Kathy, she is a legend in EdTech. my former vice president of the learning company, Kevin O'Leary's company. Uh, such an honor to have you join us here and uh, co-authored this incredible book. Uh, Kathy, uh, if you don't know Kathy, she is one of the most connected leaders in that tech and uh, certainly uh, mentored many uh, women uh, around the world globally. Uh, in her role, many roles uh, from IBM to the learning company to Pearson as a, a senior vice president of the foundation. And, and her latest uh, focus is uh, her own not-for-profit, which she might mention a little bit about, and author, co-author, and uh, of more than one book. And uh, Kathy, thank you for joining us uh, today on this uh, fifth in a series of podcasts with uh, the featured women, incredible women globally, uh, that uh, you and and Bobby uh, sought out uh, as leaders. Uh, what inspired it? You know, I've known Bobby a long time. I have a wonderful um, worked with a wonderful co-author, and um, we are. Although we're very different, Bobby's much more involved in higher education. She's done a lot of research in this whole entrepreneurial area. I'm more in the you know K twelve space, but we have known each other for about thirty five years, and we kept talking about the interesting women that we knew. And how many of them were entrepreneurs? Uh, Bobby was involved in the entrepreneurial program at the University of Pennsylvania. But we kept saying, wouldn't it be great to look at some of the research? And I'm going to let Laura talk about some of the research because she was involved in a lot of this research. Uh, Wouldn't it be great if we could uh, interview these women, look at the entrepreneurial mindset, look at the research and see how these women have compared um, to the the uh, research that's been done on what makes a good entrepreneur. So that's what inspired it. Um, as you know, my background is in publishing, retired from a uh, few publishing companies that you mentioned. I am doing some board work now with uh, nonprofit uh, groups as well as uh, working as a consultant uh, in the K through 12 space and um, have enjoyed um, reading this book. And Thank you so much for doing these podcasts. You know, Margaret just mentioned that she had listened to some of them and I've listened to them all. And I'm just amazing to me, although I was very uh, instrumental with Bobby and picking out the women, but they're so interesting. And um, today will be just, you know, icing on the cake. We're going to keep doing this. But I have two incredible women with me here today. And it's really the international space. We've inter- interviewed uh, 29 women 
And two of them uh, here today are, can really have a good international perspective, although Laura is not international. She's coming to us from Mexico right now. And she's and a fellow Canadian. Yeah, and worked on a school in Guatemala. So she's going to talk about that. And I'm yeah. going to have her. And before I introduce Margaret, I want to say that this book uh, really couldn't have been done without Laura. Laura was Could. instrumental and really uh, gathering all the work that we had done in the interviews and sifting through it, as you might uh, notice as the stories, it's not just interviewing each woman, it's just taking some of the things that they talked about and putting them in the right spot. So fascinating. It's very exciting to have Laura on here and she'll Kudos talk about to you, it. Laura, and the fascinating research and, uh, and all those key variables that help women be successful in the learning from that. And of course, fellow Canadian Margaret Hubert, uh, tell us about Margaret, Kathy, and your connection well, there. Margaret and I are very special friends because we were classmates at the Advanced Leadership Initiative at Harvard. Uh, in fact, uh, she was just with a friend of ours from the class up in Canada. And she's a very interesting person. She's a former Canadian Chief of Protocol for the Department of Foreign Affairs. She's been, uh, she served as an ambassador in Europe, Asia, and the Middle East. And she's worked with many international programs and is still very involved uh, in an international work that she'll tell you about. And she sits on many different boards also. So I'm going to let each person give a little bit of a background about what they're doing. Then we have, to, oh, shoot, this always happens to me. I'm sorry. Sorry. Glad he can edit this out. And you know, I don't know how to turn that thing off. That's the problem. But he'll edit it out. So don't worry about it. <laughs> yes, no worries. Oh, All right. So this has happened before. So anyway, um, it's one one thing that it's not live that you can edit that out. So sorry about that. So uh, I wanted to start. Um, do you want to start with Margaret? Is that um, yeah? Why don't we start with Margaret? Okay. Thank you so much, and I'm thrilled to be here with you today on this podcast uh, with Kathy, with whom, as she mentioned, uh, I spent a year and then uh, from time to time on trips together, uh, but uh, especially thrilled to be interviewed by a fellow Canadian, Robert, and for the first time to meet Laura. Uh, I'm excited to hear more about your background, especially with Guatemala and Mexico. But uh, I've got to confess to you, when Kathy first asked me to be involved in this book uh, and um, the background of the book being uh, particularly about women entrepreneurs, uh, I kind of didn't see myself in that frame at first because when I think of entrepreneurs, I think of someone who goes to venture capitalists looking for money and um, this is not something I have done or intended to do. Uh, so um, uh, it was uh, a learning curve for me as well. And as someone who throughout my life uh, has been uh, thrilled to put myself in a position of being forced to learn, uh, hey, I was up for it. But just to give you some of my personal background, um, I grew up in southern Ontario, a small uh, port city, Port Colburn. Uh, I come from a refugee family who had come from Europe uh, after um, 
being uh, moved across the continent. Uh, they were ethnic Germans who had been kicked out uh, after the war, actually before the end of the war in what is now Croatia. I myself was born in Germany, although as I mentioned, I grew up in Canada. And particularly being from a country, from a family that had moved from country to country, um, you know, learning was seen as something very portable, something that my family placed great emphasis on. And I was very fortunate to have a stellar um, public school education in this small town. It also had a wonder and has a wonderful library that had been donated to the town by a uh, very interesting woman in her own right. I won't go into that story, but all this to say from the time I was five years old and my, one of my older brothers took me to the local library to get my very own library card. Learning was exceedingly important to me. And because of that, I ended up uh, in a career in a calling that uh, emphasized learning, that um, rewarded it. And, you know, going uh, as a member of the Canadian Diplomatic Corps from country to country and being uh, parachuted into communities, cultures, very different from our own, my own, um, learning, adapting, being flexible, uh, dare I say, being entrepreneurial about seizing opportunities. Uh, that was a way that I could see myself as, hey, yeah, maybe I do belong in Kathy's book. <laughs> well, you have all those right skills, and I know Laura knows them like the back of her hand. <laughs> um, so um, I have a question for Laura. Uh, why did you think it was important to participate in this project as Bobby and I, when we started talking to you, and, um, and help write Innovators? So I've been interested in this idea of entrepreneurial mindset probably for the past eight years on a personal level. So when I moved down to Guatemala, the first thing I was, uh, you know, hired to do down there was essentially it was a founding team, but, you know, we arrived, it was three guys in a room and, you know, they kind of had an idea of what they were doing. They wanted to create a social business incubator to support rural entrepreneurs who were uh, scaling up into the middle class. Um, but they really didn't know what they were doing. There was no mission. There was no vision. I mean, it was just kind of all over the place. And so, um, and so I really, you know, in this process, got to know a lot of the entrepreneurs and began to, that they were working with and began to see that they really, you know, it didn't matter what background they came from, what level of education they had, they kind of all, the successful ones had a spark about them. And I got really curious about that. You know, what is it that moves someone to not only start a business, but to be successful in growing and scaling a business? Um, so I actually, you know, through interviewing them, learned a lot of this happened starting from a young age. And so then I went into the process of starting an entrepreneurial school 
and that had this idea of entrepreneurial mindset baked into the pedagogy, baked into the school and learning model. And I, I, I was really interested in it. And um, when I ended up at Penn for my graduate program, I had thought a lot about this and was working on, you know, my thesis and capstone project was all around this idea of, you know, can entrepreneurs be, um, be made and, you know, how can entrepreneurial skills help us in our day-to-day careers and be successful in our day-to-day careers, regardless if we're starting a business or not, like Margaret, you were, you were talking about, um, you don't necessarily need to go out and look at, look for VC money in order to be, to be an entrepreneur, right. And to be entrepreneurial in your life and your career. And so um, throughout that process, Bobby and I connected and she kind of shared that she had this research and, I got sucked in. I met Bobby and I met Kathy and I love them. They've been such wonderful mentors. And uh, it's it's just been a really fun process taking this research that I had been doing empirically on the ground in Guatemala and really formalizing it and, and building it into the book it is today. Well, we're happy to have Fascinating. you. Fascinating. And then, uh, Robert, I'm going to ask Margaret something, and then you okay. can kind of pick it up from there. But the, one of the things that, Margaret, when we interviewed you, it was so interesting because we were kind of thinking the same thing. Did, you know, we're going to interview Margaret. She's really had this unbelievable career, but it, it doesn't really fit to what we're doing. And the first thing that you said we looked at each other and said, it's a definite fit. And you talked about all the different times you were assigned to different places around the world that you had to meet new people, you had to learn new customs, you had to deal with other languages. So can you talk a little bit about that? Well, I think, um, although this describes very much the life of a diplomat, it also describes the life of someone who's going abroad as Laura did or someone who's in international business. Um, and that is that you go to various cultures, uh, countries, and you do have to reinvent yourself in the sense of adapting uh, yourself to the best and looking for the best of that culture. And also trying to give and share some of the best of your own culture. Otherwise, why would they be interested, right? Mm -hmm. uh, of course, as a diplomat, as a trade commissioner, as a business person, you're also connecting people. So you're connecting ideas and people. And, um, you know, my, I've got to confess when my started, when I started off as a young diplomat, my intention was to stay until for five years on, or until I got bored, whichever came first. Well, 40 years later, I finally did retire as chief of protocol, but one of the first things I did after that was go back to school, go back to Harvard where I had done a mid-career and spent a year kind of trying to figure out next steps and what to do with um, the hopefully even more exciting chapters of my life. And this is something that everyone in their own way, wherever they are uh, at whatever stage of their life, that they can uh, feel called upon 
to do as well. Wonderful opportunities. Well, that Margaret, that really speaks to uh, the growth mindset. And uh, one of the professors that was speaking at our conference recently talked about growth mindset as a skill that that uh, people can learn and uh, fascinating. And uh, kudos to you for for being a lifelong learner. I'm going to okay. uh, move over to Laura for the next question, unless you have a comment, uh, Kathy. Nope, that's good. Uh, Laura, you were involved in the EMP profile research that was used in the book. And uh, what are some of the more revealing findings from the research? And what were any, was there anything that really uh, surprised you? You know, I think we, so we did three levels of research, right? So the people who developed the EMP, the Entrepreneurial Mindset Profile, uh, you know, they sent out a huge sample to over 15,000 entrepreneurs and corporate managers, and they've got a ton of data. So essentially what we did is we looked at that, we narrowed it down, and we looked at purpose-driven entrepreneurs who are who are in programs or had graduated from the University of Pennsylvania. We said, okay, we know these are people who are enrolled in entrepreneurial programs who are aiming to start purpose-driven businesses. And then we, you know, dialed down even further. We said, let's take a look at women and men who are in purpose-driven fields and see if they have differences. Um, and, and through that, these findings came up, um, one of which is women who are purpose-driven entrepreneurs have incredibly high need to achieve. Um, so a need to excel beyond just the standard, right? And so this is fascinating. So it's really clear in the data and the research, you know, we're looking at the numbers and it's by far the most uh, prominent trait. So then we start talking to women and we're, you know, Kathy, Kathy and Bobby did all these amazing interviews with Margaret and, you know, the 28 other entrepreneurs that they, they spoke with. Um, and, you know, it's fascinating because almost no one spoke openly about this need to achieve. Like, yes, I want to go out and get it. Like, yes, I want to rise to the top. You know, no, no one was talking about that in terms of themselves. The way that they talked about their achievement and the way that they perceived their achievement was through the work and the impact that they were having on others. Um, so I'd be fascinated to hear Margaret's perspective on this. Um, but a lot of women talked about the people they had mentored or the people that mm. they had served through their organizations if they were running purpose-driven organizations. Um, they talked about their teams and how they had mentored their teams and empowered their teams. But they had all talked about this high level of, of achievement, but through others or through other channels, which is fascinating. And it was very different than the way men were talking about their achievements. You know, like I, I got this, I did this, you know, then I did that, then I did that and, and very me focused. Whereas women seem to have a more collaborative um, uh, approach to, to speaking and, and talking about their need to achieve it at this high level. Margaret, I'd love to hear your thoughts about that, if that feels authentic to you too. I think it's absolutely right, but you're, you're, you know, it is not something that you are normally very conscious of. But when you look back, like in my case, I look back at a high school guidance teacher, for example, who told me, you know, why do you want to go to university? Pretty girl like you, you're just going to get married anyway. Or <laughs> one of my early 
ambassadors uh, who had uh, mightily resisted having me as an officer at his embassy. Uh, I was the first woman officer at the Canadian embassy in Tokyo, for example. And uh, this very uh, accomplished ambassador with uh, very strong personality uh, had resisted mightily. But once he um, had been overcome and had agreed to my being assigned there, perhaps because I had also taken a year off uh, and done a gap year on my own in Tokyo doing various jobs and so on, he uh, stopped resisting and later became one of my strongest supporters and allies. And whenever I needed him, for example, to uh, show up for events I was organizing or colleagues were organizing, he would come through. Uh, so there is something exceedingly satisfactory, dare I admit, to proving people wrong <laughs> and, to, and to accomplishing. Uh, so, yeah. Laura, you're absolutely right. Fascinating. Kathy, over to you for the next um, Yeah, it is really fascinating. And, you know, talking about, you know, starting things and new jobs. Um, this is something I've really not heard from Laura. I'm going to uh, ask Laura about her starting the school in Guatemala. So what kinds of entrepreneurial skills did you have to use? in starting a brand new school in a foreign country and how different was that education system from the US education system you're familiar with? You know, it was so interesting because our found, the, the team that was leading this school, um, the the, the ideas man, there was a guy behind all of these big ideas, but it was a team of women who were actually implementing, right? And so we said, okay, you know, he had this big vision for creating this entrepreneurial school. And then it was, you know, we were, um, do you hear background noise there? Sorry. Or no, is it good? No. Okay. Okay, good. good. There's a lot of background noise. Okay, perfect. Sorry. Um, so let me start that idea over. Hopefully you can edit this out. Um, okay. So, so, um, so there was this ideas man behind the school and it was the team of women that were implementing and, you know, we were on the ground, we were speaking with parents, we were recruiting. Um, and when I came in, there was a small school already set up, uh, but they had no idea how to scale anything that they were doing. Um, and so their idea was to create a school with no teachers. Um, so it was in Socratic guides, uh, one per environment, and the students would learn using ed tech, using Socratic method and scaffolded projects that were uploaded to an LMS. Um, so it was a really innovative, kind of crazy idea in general, especially for Guatemala. And so the most important entrepreneurial skill there was empathy. So going out and really being able to interview people, to being, being able to speak to parents, students, other school leaders and say, you know, okay, let me understand what, what this gap in the market is. Let me understand who our ideal customer is. Let me try and understand why they're struggling with, you know, the options that are already out there. Let me connect to them outside of, you know, just trying to sell them on this idea. Let me really try and understand what the pain points are here. What we found is, you know, okay, so we had American school options in Guatemala. They're very traditional. You know, it's just the American curriculum transport 
transplanted into a totally different culture, right? And so, you know, these students are learning about the Boston massacre, which is fine, but they're like, where's Boston? You know what I mean? And what does this have to do with me in my life? I live in Guatemala City, right? So how are we going to create an option that was based in a lot of these entrepreneurial principles, but adapt it to a local environment and so that students could really feel empowered, connected with a culturally responsive pedagogy and really be able to say, okay, I can own my learning um, in a way that, that they weren't at these other school options. Um, so that I would say empathy was the most important skill that we led with for sure. That's, that's great. Great story. And when, in fact, one of these days I'm going to get to Guatemala. I've been actually talking to someone about going down there. Um, it's okay, an amazing so, country. Uh, is it? Oh, great. Um, so um, Margaret, when mentoring is something I talk a lot about uh, and there's a whole chapter in the book I'm mentoring but some of the things that you learned, um, are you modeling with younger women that you come in contact with or you know, stories that you've told, you know, you've um, lived? Uh, how do you work with younger women? Well, mentoring is something that you do all along the way. And that I must say, in listening to earlier podcasts, I've heard a lot, Kathy, about your wonderful mentoring. But, you know, even when I was a young director, for example, at headquarters responsible for our relations with the European Union and had a large staff, but mainly of uh, quite young people uh, or in embassies abroad where many of the staff were younger. Mentoring is also trying to behave in a way to communicate in such a way uh, that they can learn from you so that it's not just do what I say, uh, that they can uh, take it um, more directly to heart. Um, and of course, you want to mentor as a woman, you want to mentor for young women. But the fact is, uh, along the way, many of my staff were young men just right. by the nature of the organization. And um, I found it important as a woman leader to always be seen as fair, that I wanted each person, male or female, to accomplish, to achieve, to develop as much as they could. And for example, would often refer to them, refer, when you are ambassador, you will see X, Y. And since then, a number of them have become ambassadors and talk about how important that was for them. Uh, but now I'm very privileged in my post-retirement life uh, through the Canadian International Council, for example, uh, to be able to be working with a lot of young people who are engaged in our programs, whether they are part of the Africa study group or Asia Pacific study group or our politics at the, at the pub, foreign policy discussions. Uh, and I'm thrilled also that we've been able to get private sector support, for example, from the Royal Bank of Canada uh, for what they see as very worthy, and so they should, very worthy programs um, for young people who are interested 
in careers, not only in the foreign service, but in international business, in security and intelligence, a whole range of programs. Yeah, I think mentoring young uh, men is really important too. I think that's why a lot of people really like this book. And I've heard from many of my male friends uh, in uh, saying that they've been reading it and they've really enjoyed it. And of course they want to share it with their daughters or their wives, you know, too, or friends. But uh, that's really been uh, re very reassuring as you hear that from women, but you also hear it, hear it from men. And um oh. One of the things I've tried to share with young women is that life is not a level playing field. And mm. the fact is they probably Boy. are going to have to try harder. Uh, yeah, that's very good. But I also advise young men, hey, you're not just competing with people from across Ontario or Canada. You are going to be competing globally. So, you know, you'd better pull your socks up and really develop yourself, develop your skills uh, in this ever more competitive world we're involved in. Well, absolutely great advice, Margaret. And uh, I, I've benefited greatly from uh, reading the book and being part of this uh, webinar series has been so inspiring. Uh, women tend to have a more humble leadership approach in our, um, you know, very open and uh, very generous in their leadership and mentorship as you know, you are a great I laugh, example. I laugh that. because not always having gone to graduate school <laughs> in Ontario where yeah. a legendary Lord Mayor of Ontario of uh, Ottawa, Charlotte Witten, who had several terms in the fifties and sixties She's famous for a number of quotable quotes, including one along the lines of, um, to, uh, to succeed, women have to try twice as hard as men. And then she'd pause and say, fortunately, that's not so difficult. <laughs> I knew that. I did not know she that's was, where it came from. I love quite, that. Quite a character. Well, <laughs> I, I have a daughter that, uh, has tremendous leadership skills and is very tenacious, especially when she was playing hockey. And uh, <laughs> I believe that if the boys, my twins, had her tenacity, they'd be playing in the NHL. We, they're very gentle giants, but uh, we always have a good laugh over that. I'm gonna uh, uh, go over to Laura for the next question. Um, you, you said that you learned how to define what motivates you and what, what kind of advice, uh, through the book, what kind of advice would you give others who struggle with motivation and goal setting to overcome inhibitors? You know, there are a lot of mental blocks that I see, especially with, uh, you know, um, career pathways and getting to and, and launching your startup. Uh, I had to pull the trigger on signing a five-year lease on a co-working space in a shopping mall that had never been done before in North America. And my family wow. thought it was nuts, but we're here five years later. And you're all welcome to our fifth anniversary, uh, December 6th, uh, by the way. So over to you, Laura. Um, so I think the most important thing, especially for young women rising up in their careers, is community and connecting into community. Um, advocating for yourself is important, too. But really finding a group of women who share similar ambitions or who share similar principles and values that you do and 
supporting each other, sharing resources, um, because as a group, it just takes off the burden. You know, a lot of imposter syndrome and what we refer to as imposter syndrome comes from isolation, right? And just mm. feeling like, oh, you know, we keep like this question of, am I good enough? You know, should I really be here? Am I as, am I as good as he, you know, and all that com uh, comparison isn't healthy. And so when we have community and we can share stories, just like this book does, I think it helps everyone just relax a little bit, but also mm. clarifies the path forward. And then the other thing I would say, and Kathy has a great story about this, is ask for mentorship. If you want mentorship, go out and ask for it. The worst thing someone can tell you is, I don't have time, go talk to someone else, right? And that's, you're going to find a great mentor that way anyway. We cannot Brilliant. do this alone. And the more that you can build your community of people in in your similar position in in terms of your career but also from women and men who have been there before go out advocate for yourself and get a mentor it's truly i think the most important thing you can do in your career that's uh, brilliant advice and uh if i could just interject kathy and then i'll pass it over to you laura about building community is very timely especially as we come out of the pandemic isolation is the worst thing you can do for your personal well-being and the research shows that you know getting back into the community hybrid work uh part you know we're, we're seeing every day we have people coming into our co-working space it's so re rewarding because we've had uh people come in and say i've had anxiety for the last couple of years but when i come here i feel a sense of relief and i'm able to wow. focus so that that you know that's a real life example so whoever's out there listening to this really and and if you're not getting out there it's so vital you know a couple times a week to just get away from your environment and and surround yourself with with people that uh you know that inspire you and um great advice and nowadays we don't have to do it in person it can be online for yeah. those who Absolutely. are COVID cautious and many of yes. us are Absolutely. Well, yeah. that's what I was thinking as you were talking is that we try in the book, we have some resources that people can refer to. And then we also have a newsletter. And in the newsletter, we put all the different, you know, podcasts and blogs that are going on articles, other books that people refer to us, we're asking people to tell their stories. So it's really full of a lot of really rich resources of organizations. And, and I noticed this year, more than other years, I've been asked to come speak at uh, women administrators meetings by state. Now, Kentucky's having a thousand women and, you know, wow. Virginia's having some women, New Jersey. Uh, and so it's, it's kind of interesting. These are from the states because this is a group that I'm, you know, more involved in. But I think you're seeing a lot more of that community being developed. In incredible. I Kathy, I was going to oh, go ahead, Margaret. I was just going to say, if I can dare comment on the midterm elections uh, as an outsider, uh, one of the really interesting things uh, as someone who follows democracy and uh, supports democ democratic efforts is uh, the increase in the number of women elected mm -hmm. as governors, as senators, as representatives. It's heartening. Yes, Amazing. it is. Absolutely. It is. 
Well, my, my wife Absolutely. just uh, came out of the municipal election as city clerk and did the inauguration the other day. And it's so great to see that process uh, that uh, we so uh, embrace here in democracy. And now she's free to travel again after running, you know, preparing for this journey. <laughs> uh, I'm so excited to go down and visit Kathy in a couple of weeks uh, and connect down there. But uh, I was going to uh, comment, Kathy, you've turned Innovate Hers, uh, you and Bobby, into quite a franchise. And, you know, as we're talking innovation, I'm thinking Innovate Hers co-working innovation space. That would be absolutely brilliant. Sign me up. You know, I'm, you know, that's, that's our wheelhouse. So I could just imagine, I could just envision the signage, Innovate Hers and uh, it would be a special place. We'll have to talk when we get down to Florida. Yeah. O over yeah. to you, Kathy, for the next question. Well, I think as we're kind of getting ready to wrap up here, I would like to ask Laura one of the other findings um, and, and I, something that I talk about, but I'd love to have you talk about it, Laura, is that when we asked the women who their mentors were, we were a little bit who their family mentors were. We we're a little surprised by the answer. Yes, definitely. Um, so I can share just most of the time, women who had a strong entrepreneurial mother, grandmother or female figure in their lives tended to emulate her pathway. That resonates for me too. Um, you know, my grandmother was an entrepreneur years before it was acceptable to be a female CEO um, in the South, she was in, in Atlanta and she started a huge, it would ended up becoming a huge lighting company. Um, and she was honored by the president of the United States and had all sorts of entrepreneurial accolades. She tells this great story of showing up and, um, you know, to a meeting and someone said, well, where's the chairman? And she's like, I am the chairman. <laughs> like everyone sit down and, oh, and, you know, they thought she was the secretary there to take up notes. <laughs> and my mother is cool. also, you know, my mother's a physician, but she's very entrepreneurial and has started programs at every hospital she's gone to. Um, and so that entrepreneurial spirit really, regardless of you, if you have a business or not, has really been present throughout my whole life in the women who, who have been role models for me. Um, and and that's exactly what we found in the book. Um, yeah. Margaret, you mentioned your family was very, had a very strong focus on education and that was important and started, you know, you started over as refugees. I imagine your parents had to be extremely entrepreneurial in that, in that process too, right? Indeed. And I think that uh, in terms of the entrepreneurial approach, Part of it too is going out for help and asking for help wherever you can get it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that um, women uh, by nature have to, shall I say, do the rounds, um, get seek more support because in the past, certainly banks haven't been as forthcoming as they might have, despite the fact that women borrowing to, for new enterprises tend to have much better results and track record. But when you look at business as a whole in the US and Canada, the engines of growth 
are from small and medium-sized business, which is an area that women tend to thrive in or have, especially given any encouragement. Uh, and that's something I'd like to see a whole lot more of. And hopefully your book, Kathy, uh, will help with that. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you. That's great. Thank you for that. Well, we're coming up to, we surpassed 30 minutes. It was such a rich conversation. <laughs> so we just kept it going. But uh, thank you, uh, ladies, for your time this afternoon. Kathy, any final thoughts to share before we wrap up? No, I want to thank both of them also. You know, I, I just think as we do these podcasts, we just see the variety and the of variety of interesting women and you know we have five continents the six continents represented in the book and um you know different age groups you know you can see that between all the four, four of us or five of us right here um so uh four, i was counting me as two okay i'm looking at myself counting myself what is wrong with me that's an entrepreneur <laughs> oh, I the two people Bobby is absent, but she's here in spirit. She's, she's here in spirit. She was she's here, here in spirit. spirit. She's, she's actually she's doing here, a book I'm signing in the back, at Penn. She was doing a book signing. I was thinking of Bobby. Then, I so, thank you for being with us today, Bobby. She's backstage. I could see her. But uh, thank you for bringing this book to life. You really brought this okay. book to life. You've really, you know, exemplified the spirit of it. And yeah. uh, thank you again, ladies. That was Margaret Huber, Laurie Smullyan and Kathy Hurley, co-author of Innovate Hers. You can learn more at innovatehers.com. And this concludes the fifth episode of our podcast series. Stay tuned for the next one. And then until next time, stay healthy, stay safe, and keep the learning curve steep. Thank you all. Love you.